Grace, mercy, and the everlasting peace of our good shepherd be and abide with you this day and forever. Amen. This morning we begin a new series, and for the title and the logo for it, which you can see later on the website, um, I'm borrowing, (laughs) adopting, plagiarizing, no, I don't like that word, Uh, stealing, no, that's not it. We'll go with borrowing from uh, one of our television networks. The more you know. You can picture it, can't you? What does it look like? It's, it's the letters kind of stretching across the screen and then like a shooting star under it, right? Got that in your head? That's because NBC has been planting that seed in your mind since 1989. <laughs> They've been using that, the more you know. Now it's a Saturday morning, uh, like education, entertainment, um, programming slot in their Saturday morning shows. I remember when I was a kid, Saturday morning was like, that's time to turn on, you know, Bugs Bunny and things, which isn't really educational at all, but it was fun. I enjoyed it as a kid. But now it's the more you know. It's informational messages. The first one was um, by Tom Brokaw, and he talked about the education system in the United States, and The first one seems to indicate that that would be the content all about the education system because the more you know, the more you can learn, and knowledge is king. Knowledge is power. Yeah, knowledge is important for us, right? So knowing things is an important part of our lives. What do you know? What do you know? We trust the tangible, right? We trust what we can see, what we can feel, what we hear, what we witness, or or what someone else maybe has, and they can describe to us, they can share with us. John's epistle begins with these words, 1 John 1, verse 1, says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and he goes on to talk about Jesus, that which we have seen, which we have touched. Just a couple weeks ago, we talked about Thomas and the other disciples. He gets the reputation, but they were all kind of in the same boat, right? Luke 24 says at one point, they disbelieved for joy when they saw the risen Christ. But they saw him, they experienced him, and so as John writes this letter to the churches, He's talking about we've seen it, we've touched it, we've heard him, we've experienced this. I'm a witness to it. But but we like evidence the same way, right? We like to believe what we can see or hear or even touch. We want to be firsthand to really believe things. Science is based on theory, but then there's experimentation and observation and peer review, and repeatability, right? If the experiment worked once, coincidence. If it works again and again, then we can, okay, now we can believe this, right? What do you believe? What do you know? Verdicts in court cases are to be beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that's based on evidence 
and eyewitness testimony. And it's important to balance all of the evidence and all of the testimony that is seen and heard and experienced, especially by whoever is making the judgment, whether it's the judge or the jury. Pictures and video are often more compelling than someone's words. There was a significant court case that was decided this past week. I saw that Nielsen estimated some enormous percentage of the population tuned in to hear the verdict. Um, because it was important, because it was very significant in the history of, of the country and in our culture. And so a lot of us probably, you know, when we heard, oh, this is about to happen, tuned in, turned it on, so we could get that first-hand experience of hearing that announcement. That court case was decided based on evidence. I read a commentary after the fact that said, if it were not for the video that was shot of that event in Minneapolis, that it's not unlikely that it could have gone very differently. It's the visibility that made the significant case. It's the tangible nature of it. We trust the tangible, but we have limited understanding because information can be deceiving. You believe everything you hear on the news. Raise your hand if you do. There's maybe a group therapy session for that, all right? I mean, because how much of the news that we hear is fact, direct, this is what exactly happened. You know, some of that is because it's complicated, right? It's complicated to determine exactly what happened in a situation. But some of what we hear is, well, they call it spin, right? It's manipulated. Facts are presented in a certain way to lead people to draw certain conclusions. So it's hard to trust things. And people can see the same event differently, which is why sometimes the news is difficult to present. Accident eyewitnesses can have very divergent stories of what they saw. If they were standing behind or over to the side, they can see something very different. And all of that comes through the lens of our experience, our expectations, what we think happened, and it's all commingled in there. It's not like we can be completely objective observers to much of anything, right? Our personal histories play a part in that. The lives that we've led play a part in that. Our eyes are easily deceived, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. So for us, God is intangible for the most part, right? Remote feels distant and transcendent, which is true. But we can know God. And we can know God's love. Know love. Today, as we look at John, or 1 John chapter 3, we see this in verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We know God's love. Love is an abstract concept, right? What is love? That's a question people have been asking for ever. What is love? Is it 
Is it an emotion? Is it a feeling? It's more than a feeling. Now some of us have a Boston song playing in the back of our heads, right? It's more than an emotion. It's connected to our feelings, but how do we experience love? Love is active. Love is giving. Love is connecting. Gary Chapman wrote a book about the five love languages a long time ago now. Still a great book. Still, um, I think, very applicable to our understanding and application of love. And it talks about these five love languages. Words, gifts, acts, touch, and time. Words of affirmation, the giving of gifts, acts of service, physical touch, and quality time. Those are the five that he identifies. And so in our experiences and in our lives, we've probably learned at least one or more than one language in which we receive love more than the others and we express love more than the others. Paula and I have talked about that for our whole marriage and one of probably my most significant love language is acts of service. So how do I demonstrate love? I do things, (laughs) right? I make sure the trash is out. I bring the laundry in so that we can, you know, sort it and fold it and do whatever. I mean, there's things that I do as, as an expression of love. For her, words of affirmation is her highest love language, right? So I can do a lot of things, but if I say something... That makes a bigger impact. So love is complicated because we express love differently, we experience love differently, and we learn love through our experience of it. For many of us, our family of origin is probably our source of learning about love in the most significant way, even now. Right? Even now, our relationship that we have with parents, with siblings, maybe with extended family, impacts how we express and receive love. Friendship then contributes to that. How do we experience and express love between friends? And then as, for many of us, married couples and families, then that is how we experience and express love. Much of our experience with love carries over into our expectation of God's love. To how we expect to interact in a love relationship with God is impacted by our experience, and relation with other people. But we know God's love, and that's what 1 John 3 is talking about, because the word is actually specific in 1 John 3.16. He says, and it's translated, by this we know love. But the original language actually indicates that it's a specific love that we know. This is how we know the love In the Greek, the word the wouldn't be necessary in that sentence. So it's the love. It's a specific love that we know. It's not just love in general that we know because of Jesus. It's God's love that we know. And John has already described the concept of love. See what kind of love 
the Father has given to us. This is in verse 1 of chapter 3. This is the kind of love that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. This is the love that God has for us, and this is how we know and experience that love, because Jesus makes the love of God tangible. He demonstrated it through the ultimate act of service. He laid down his life. By this we know the love of God, in parentheses, that he laid down his life for us. That's how we know. Similar, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of God. We see it at the cross. We see it where he died for us, where he laid down his life as the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of humanity, for all the ways that we, as wandering sheep, have gone off and done whatever we chose to do. The fourth Sunday of, after Easter is traditionally Good Shepherd Sunday, and that's where we are today. So our reading from John chapter 10 talks about Jesus is the good shepherd. Psalm 23 is the shepherd's psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. He provides for me. He takes care of me. And the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Shepherds don't do that. They may intervene if there's you know, an attack on the flock. I'm talking real shepherds, right? But to lay down the life for the sheep? Probably not. But that's what the good shepherd does. He laid down his life for us, even in our wandering nature. Through his perfect life and his sacrificial death, by this we are reconciled to God, so our hearts are reassured before him through the forgiveness that we have so that we can live at peace and we can live in love. The love that we have seen and has been made tangible to us through Jesus, we are called to live in that love by following the example of Jesus. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That's the call. To love others. To put love into action. John goes on right away in verse 17 to say this, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Live in the love of God, and it changes our whole attitude. It changes our whole outlook. It changes what we expect and what we do. So we love in action, And John goes on to say, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In word and in deed, in fact. Not just empty words, platitudes that say, oh, we love people. 
while we close ourselves off from others, while we keep what we have to ourselves, while we live for ourselves and maybe a select few. Jesus laid down his life for us, and so we're called to do similar. Not that we would physically and actually die, although, well, if it came to that, maybe we would. But it's more than that, or it's different from that. It's laying down our lives in the way of self-sacrifice, of prioritizing our relationships with other people, of putting others first. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. This is earlier in chapter 3 before I'm reading it, verse 11. This is the message you have heard, that we should love one another. By loving one another, we make the love of God tangible to others. St. Francis of Assisi is credited, although it's questionable whether he said this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. (laughs) Live out the love of God. Be Jesus with skin on for people. That's an expression I heard first from a friend named Sandy back in, gosh, probably the 1980s. And it stuck with me. Because a lot of people don't understand who Jesus is is, not was, because Christ is risen. One of these times I'll sneak one in, I don't know. Christ is risen, and so we can live in that relationship with the living Christ. Who Christ is impacts us, and we can demonstrate who Christ is to the world in word and in deed in action, carrying out the things that God gave us to do. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus, and love one another just as he has commanded us. God calls us to this, to believe in Jesus as Savior, as the one whose life was laid down for us, the one who gives us redemption and forgiveness of our sin as a gift of his grace, and that we can love him and love our neighbors as ourselves. It's not the easiest thing to do. Sometimes our relationships are difficult. Sometimes people are a pain. But as we lay down our lives for for others, as we live out this call of Christ, let our faith be evident through what we say, through what we do, through how we live our lives as the people of God in this place. Sharing the love of Jesus, the more you know. Amen.